You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome to Over and Under. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. Thank you for streaming the podcast. Hope you'll find some some value in today's talk. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to skip this week without bringing a little something. Didn't seem right. But I think what we're going to talk about today is something that has always kind of amazed me is that when I'm talking to some of my working class friends, and just to give context to this conversation, it's, I think it's a little bit important that you know that I come from a very hard working. I'm talking about labor. I'm not talking about sitting behind the desk. My father was a uh, construction worker. He mostly did house framing. Very difficult work. He did this work in the heat of the South Florida sun. I haven't seen too many people work as hard as my father. Very proud of my dad. Love my dad. Miss my dad. Unfortunately, he's no longer with me, but I would never trade anything for my upbringing to have not been the proud son of my mother and father. As for me, I've done okay. I, I don't think you would ever say that uh, I, I even bumped the lower levels of anything that would be considered affluent and surely not wealthy. But for some reason, I've never held any type of angst or felt like somehow or another, another person's success has cheated me out of something. And that's what I pick up a lot of times when I'm having conversations in different groups. When people start saying something about, I don't know, Elon Musk or or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, they don't ever express these things when it comes to professional athletes, professional musical artists. For some reason, it's just the guy who goes out and he makes a product or provides a service, becomes very successful. And it's a, it's a different kind of wealth, too. They don't seem to have a problem with people who make between one and three million dollars but if they start bumping making tens of millions of dollars for some reason they think that somebody's being cheated i've often been felt cheated by politicians and their policies but again unless the person is involved in some type of criminal activity i have never felt cheated by another man's success so i've kind of uh wondered why is that because the majority of us are very dependent on people who create jobs, and that's what these people do. So I don't know, maybe it's no more than identity politics. I know that is quite a weapon of the left. They are always trying to find any small division and exploit it. And I mean, there's a lot to exploit, is there not? I mean, you got the conservative versus the progressive. You got the hetero versus the homo, the white versus the black Actual male, female versus the trans male, female, working class versus elite class, people who love the U.S., people who can't apologize enough for the U.S. and its existence. I mean, the list really, really goes on. There's no shortages of uh, identity politics that you cannot exploit. I guess I tend to look at it not as divisions, but groups of people that are specialized and are in need of each other and I think the guys who create jobs are incredibly important. Politicians, you may not believe this, they don't create jobs. The the presidents and the staffs that actually create jobs typically will get out of the way of people who do have that skill set. 
but you should always be leery of politicians that say they create jobs because if they were creating jobs, I think that's where they were being that's where they would be at. Now we do have examples of every now and then we're very fortunate we actually do get a businessman rather than a politician who takes an interest in running the country and they typically don't last very long because they start bumping heads with people who have others agendas you know some people look at the bottom line and other people have policies that they want to push and they do not go together very well so if you're one of those people who think that wealthy successful people are cheating you or something or your life is something less because they do what they do let me see if I can share a little bit of information and see if I can change that view just a little bit. If not totally, I'd like to change it totally. The top 1%, and I'm reading this from the National Taxpayers Union Foundation, the top 1% pay 40% of all the taxes on a yearly basis. What does it take to get into that club? You've got to make 500000 plus a year. Yeah, I'm nowhere near that club, I assure you. But... 515, 520, 530,000 a year in that range, they pay 40% of all taxes. Now, a club that you can get into a little bit easier is to be in the top 10% of taxpayers. It, it takes $145,000 a year to uh, get into that club. Well, if you're in the top 10%, you take on over 71% of the tax burden for that year. So, I mean, that seems fair to me. I think if you were trying to make a deal, you were going to get 10% of the people to take on 71% of the burden, and they were good with that. I would say you would think that was a pretty good deal. So, again, you, if anything, you shouldn't be holding bad feelings. Maybe you ought to be thanking these people. Elon Musk comes to mind. You know, he was the darling of the left because he was making electric cars, but he wasn't making electric cars to push an agenda. He was a capitalist trying to make a product that other people would want to buy that had some kind of value. And it didn't hurt that the uh, government and the state were offering incredible subsidies for him to do so. He took advantage of that. But he has turned over a very successful business and he has created worldwide well over 100,000 jobs. 50,000 of those are related to Tesla here in the U.S. Think about that. Somebody creates hundreds of workers, sometimes thousands, sometimes a million. All the vendors that are employed and really heavily dependent on these big corporations for their very existence. You know, some of these corporations, the money that they make, the taxes they make. I mean, Elon might go down in the history of being the the highest taxpayer ever in the history of the United States. If he sells all his uh, stock or sells any more stock, it's estimated that he'll pay $15 billion in taxes. You would think that would be a one-time, hey, give me $15 billion, we won't mess with you ever again. No, nay, 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 nay. There's much more to be coming from that. But he has paid a lot of taxes that those are taxes you and I would have to pay. But sometimes we forget, even as impressive as some of these very successful entrepreneurs are, they inadvertently, or necessarily, if you'd like to say, you know, they need stuff. They need raw material to manufacture whatever they do. They're going to have to have insurance. They finance the insurance companies, IT companies, communication, payroll. Many large companies sub this out or contract this out. And so you've got entire industries and businesses that are dependent on these large companies. Security, 
for these companies. Auto industry, these people need cars. They need play, a lot of times vans, trucks to transport their, their goods. The buying of specialized equipment that they need to run their business. Accounting firms, investment firms, real estate, entertainment. Yeah, you might be hating on them because of their entertainment was a uh, take clients out or something. It ought to make you mad when a politician does it. But, you know, the, this supports hotel, uh, music events, restaurants. There's a lot of good things that come from people who conduct business on a large scale. The Probably my first... Um, entrepreneur endeavor was when I was a kid eight to ten years old and I would grab my father's lawnmower and I'd go up and down the street knock on doors and it, it, it would seem nothing to you but at the time it seemed to me that anybody who could pay somebody to cut their grass was probably very wealthy that you had that disposable income and I've come to know that's not true but to me for them to let me do that and give me the opportunity to make money, I was always very grateful. You know, it was a really good deal for them because I think I charged like $2, $3. Sometimes they'd, they'd give me a little tip or something. But it was mutually good for both of us. I hope it was. I, I did the best I could for them. And as I got older, 16, I think I left. I was almost 17 years old, very dependent on my job at the grocery store. I don't know what gentleman started that uh that entrepreneurial endeavor. I don't know his name. He doesn't know my name, but very thankful to have a job because it paid for my apartment. It paid for my car or the upkeep of it. And the job that I would eventually settle on would be that of a firefighter, which I was in that position for about 35 years. That job was financed through taxpayer money and big corporations and people who do business. So I've always had a sense of gratitude. I've always appreciated people who were able to run big businesses and, and know, you know, acknowledging that that is a skill set. It's amazing to me that we can look at athletes, we can look at performers, and we think you know the skill set that they bring, the value that they bring is of such that we will spend $200 for tickets, we'll spend hundreds of dollars on sneakers and other paraphernalia, and yet we don't appreciate somebody that runs a multi-million, sometimes a multi-billion dollar corporation. And you don't have to be that big. You've got people that are operating. It's very impressive if, as a, if a person can make his living. Uh, he employs three or four people. It, it provides their living. And that's another thing you don't take into consideration, I think, sometimes is the jobs that these people make. I, I can't imagine the jobs that Amazon makes. Let me hit pause and let me see what that number looks like. Okay, a quick Google search. 1.1 million people in the U.S., 1.6 million worldwide. That's that's pretty incredible. Again, just think about the taxes that those people are paying. Those are taxes that you don't have to pay. And so why, why are you going to be upset with somebody like a Jeff Bezos or feel anything but a sense of gratitude that they have provided an incredible, valuable service. I mean, you see something on the Internet in the comfort of your home, you go to their site, you order it, and bada-bing, bada-boom, it's dropped out in front of your house the next day. That's another thing that we lose sight of. A lot of these corporations and these companies, 
work voluntarily freely with other people voluntarily freely they have to provide something of worth that people are willing to reach in their back pocket and pay for as opposed to a politician who really just i'm gonna say it they steal from you the way that they spend money your money they act like it's their money but these people grew their businesses most of them by simply offering either a product or a service that you were more than glad to pay for and brought it to you at a price that you could afford. You know, at the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, you had people like Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller who uh, gave lavishly and donated to charities at a, at a level I don't think most people could possibly imagine unless... and. Despite their generosity, they're often referred to as robber barons, like they stole money from somebody, but it's estimated that Carnegie gave over 90% of his wealth away to charity. Just to give you an idea of some of the things that he did, he built 2,811 libraries in towns all over the United States of America. On top of that, some schools, hospitals, museums, and probably the biggest thing he did it was all the trust that he made, things like for... University of Scotland, Carnegie Institute for Science, Carnegie Dunfermline Trust, Foundation for Advancement for Teacher. The list really does go on and on. And his capital, his wealth is still providing education. When you're watching PBS and you see a show and it says this was made possible for a from a donation made by the Rockefeller Foundation, that's John D. Rockefeller, another one of the people that were referred to as a robber baron and sometimes uh, made it sound like he was stealing something from uh, other people, but he gave mightily to uh, religious mission works, hospitals, schools, scholarship foundations, and universities. So again, these people have given much. Uh, when I think about people like Steve Jobs, again, if uh, I did do a Google, I'm sure we would find out that he has created hundreds of thousands of jobs and, and just products that we are so, well, we, we need them. We've got to have them. They're used in medicine. They're used in businesses. Uh, Bill Gates, which, you know, these men, some of them I don't agree with on a political level, but I would I'd be remiss if I couldn't say they have had such an incredible positive impact on our society, our culture, uh, even what you have to pay for certain things, they have brought the cost of things because they have brought efficiency to so many markets with the products that they have brought. So I guess I would just tell you, I'd be very careful about wanting to attack people like Elon Musk. And it's it's really kind of like the golden goose thing. I'm not, I'm not really all that smart, but I, th I think... Uh, I've got a little bit of wisdom. The story of the goose that laid the golden egg, you know, I, I guess you can t still tell that story in school. There's so many things that you can't tell. Some of the things that you can tell will blow your mind. But the uh, the story, uh, if you're my age, you would be very familiar with. And, you know, they got greedy. The goose would lay so many golden eggs for them. And I guess somebody had the bright idea of let's kill the goose and get them all. And, of course, they did that. They didn't get any more golden eggs. They went bankrupt. And so sometimes I would say that is the uh, feeling I get is if the left is ever successful 
and take down the people of true production, I, I think that's not going to bode well for the rest of us because they, they do pay a tremendous amount of taxes on top of all the valuable services and jobs that they provide. Another reason I think you would might, might want to be very careful about attacking people of wealth is after you take them down, where are you at on the strata? Because wherever you are in the socioeconomic fabric of this country, there's always somebody beneath you. I promise you there are people that look at you. I don't know, maybe they think, uh, look, who does he think he is? He's got two, he's got three cars, or he's got a boat, he's got a pontoon boat. You know, what's what's he do for that kind of money? There's There's no end to the level of envy out there. So... You know, I think about the French Revolution, King Louis, who really was not a bad king as kings go. He truly did care for his country and his people. But, you know, they were going through, a, I guess what you would say, a bad economic time. And people went in there and exploited those differences. And most of the people that went in there and tried to exploit all those identity politics, if you will, to their for their agendas, well, after they took King Louis... You had like people like Danton and Robespierre that these poor people were looking at and started thinking, okay, so where did you get your wealth at? Uh, you look about as wealthy as the king. And so they ended up getting marched right up to the guillotine themselves. There were other political considerations other than that. But I would say a large part of it was you've got people who look at other people and don't feel like they deserve what they got. And they think that by toppling them and bringing them down for somehow or another, they're going to be much richer. But I'll pose this question to you. If a Steve Jobs never came along, if a Bill Gates never came along, if a Elon Musk never came along, how much poorer would you be? Or how poor are you because they did come along? I just told you all the jobs that they created, those are taxes that you don't have to pay. It's been a net plus for you. It's a net gain for you. And I know it's not like I don't appreciate the employees that work for these people, but I don't think that they take those people for granted either. They know that they are a valuable resource for the company. You don't even have to tell them that. Even if they're not a great humanitarian, they know it's through their work that they're able to do what they do. It's a component of what they do. There's a lot of specialized things going on there. So I would say rather than talk about them as they are some type of a separate entity from you, maybe it would be much better for you to appreciate that they are part of our ecosystem, if you will, our financial ecosystem, and they're just as needed as any worker that you could. If workers could have that skill set, they would do it. And you know, I guess... Before I get off, I, I talk a little bit about unions. I think unions at one time had their place, but we have uh, laws in place that protect the worker. And I'll probably go on and say that unions had a lot to do with that, but maybe even more so than that, lawsuits that are brought against big corporations for not adhering to safety probably have much more of an effect on companies than even unions do. But You know, unions are never around when companies are established, when that owner is trying to make his case for the bank, when he's trying to get capital up to start 
his endeavor, there's never a union there right beside him trying to help him make this happen. It's only after they build a large business, and I guess the union sees that they have enough workers where it makes it profitable for them to approach this uh, company, that all of a sudden they want to inject themselves into how to run that business. That man's already running a successful business, and those people are there voluntarily. They want to be there. If a union really wanted to up, I guess, an employee's wages, he would make sure that there's a lot of competition out there because that's what drives wages up. So if you can make another factory, another business that can compete within, within the industry that they're at, that puts even more of a demand on the worker and not even the owner having to be, again, a great humanitarian. If he's going to continue to exist, he will have to pay that competitive wage. Now, for you to come in and start telling him what you think a competitive wage is, that's kind of silly. And it's really, I've always found it to be very perverse that a third party would come in and try to tell the owner who built that company from the ground up how it should be done and how the relationship between him and his employees should be conducted. So I know a lot of people are not going to agree with that, and it's okay. We don't have to agree on things to be friends or even to be civil if we can't be friends. But as, I think you would have to admit, if you started a company up, you would not appreciate somebody coming in there and starting to instruct your employees. I think I've just found me another topic to talk about unions, but that's getting way off base. And again, as I'm closing out right now, I hope that you'll you'll reassess who you should really be angry at. And it's not the wealthy people of the country. There's plenty of reasons to uh, have disagreements and dislike people of all so socioeconomic levels. And it doesn't have to be because of how much money they make. You can hate them for being just not good people, right? Uh, for, for being criminals, which the wealthy don't have any type of uh, monopoly on that, do they? I mean, they come from all walks of life. So just because a guy is successful doesn't make you any more poor. And I think I can make a very strong argument that there's a whole lot less taxes that you're paying because they are successful. So with that being said, I hope uh, I've given you something to think about. As always, I hope you have an incredibly good day. Uh, looks like the day's beautiful today. I'm going to go out and enjoy it a little bit myself. So you take care of yourself till we have the opportunity to get back again. If you heard anything that you liked here today, hit subscribe. God bless you. You take care. Bye.